listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 427. My name's Dave, joined as always by my co-host Wayne, as we take a look at the pilot episode of the fantasy series Lucifer. And, you know, for me, I've been trying to get you to watch that for a while. And, and you know, you uh, obviously with, with me and Deadpool, and we got that last week. Um, yep. ne- next up, as we said to you guys last week, is going to be the Apple TV Plus new series Foundation based on the classic Isaac Asimov novel. And, and we will be covering the whole series, but I believe, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that they're going to drop the first three episodes at once, and then it'll be one a week thereafter. Now, we're going to just do our one a week thing. but um, Yeah, that's what uh, Michael said the other day. I was talking to him about it, and he said they, yeah, they dropped the first three, which yes. is kind of de rigueur nowadays. Yeah, and it's kind of splitting the difference between people that want everything all at once and people mostly podcasters who like the <laughs> once a week uh deal but here at sci-fi tv rewatch we're generally doing shows that have already aired well, not all the time but but very often um you know if you're not familiar with asimov's foundation series i mean it's arguably one of the most important science fiction novels ever written i think it's certainly on most people's top 50 list 25 yeah. whatever it's I mean, super it's, good yeah so uh i mean if you haven't read the novel you, as wayne said either last week or the week before we're not going to get into comparing it to the novel other than maybe just just very superficially i mean there are a few things that we'll point out from time to time but but we're going to deal as we always do with the show itself that is our text and uh you know if you haven't read it watch it and then maybe that'll spur you to go back and, and read the novels there are at least four i can't remember if they went to no a there's or not. there's loads loads okay okay uh because um, he he went back and i think did another trilogy in like the 80s and then there's even people who wrote foundation novels after he died okay i know his daughter is involved with the production of the series i don't know to what extent maybe just lending her permission and cashing the royalty checks but right uh, so anyway uh well there's one thing i just have to warn you of and i i I might mention this before on the show but um if you're going to read the foundation trilogy you might obviously foundation you're going to start off with you might think Second Foundation yes. would be the second book in the trilogy. It would not. But it's not. And if you read Second Foundation before Foundation and Empire, there's some pretty big spoilers that are going to be completely spoiled for you uh, when you read Foundation and Empire. So do not make the mistake that I made and read it Foundation, then Foundation and Empire, and then Second Foundation. Yep. So. All right, that is a good tip of the week. That won't count as your tip of the week, but it is a good tip of the week. Um, now, for, for what I'm watching, now that I have Amazon Prime Video, my wife and I are really enjoying The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Have you seen that at all? I have not. That's just always a show that's kind of like, I'm always like, hey, you know, maybe start Mrs. Maisel, you know, because I've heard tons of good things about it. Yeah, I mean, Um, if you liked Mad Men, and I know you did, it's that time period where, you know, it's the mid to late 50s, and she's the stereotypical housewife who's unhappy with her lot. Well, she thinks she's happy with her lot until something happens but uh she gets into the world of comedy as a stand-up and again without giving too much away i I should know the actress's name i think it's rachel brosnahan but but the the families are 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 both jewish in the show and the uh two father-in-laws kevin pollack and tony shalhoub are just hilarious they are just so good and it's not really a comedy i mean it really is a drama but it, it, it's freaking funny so if you haven't seen it yeah i would yeah there's gotta be some it. funny parts right yeah yeah stand-up comic you know now i also finally got around to finishing season four of the good place and i'm not sure how that slipped by i, I was suddenly scrolling around I'm like you know wait wait a minute I got sidetracked somehow and never finished the series. 
And again, a show that I really enjoy. It's right up my wheelhouse, 22 minute episodes, dude. So Mm. (laughs) Um, anyway, but uh, what are you watching this week? With the advent of the new season of Doom Patrol, I was just going to watch season two of my rewatch. And then I started watching episode one of season two and there was stuff in there that I couldn't remember why it was happening. So I'm like, ah, damn it. So I'm going to go back and watch season one. It's not too much of a, of a uh, you know commitment. Season one is 15 episodes. I think season two is eight. So um, I'm at the, just at the end now of, of season one. Um, so I'm watching that and still watching Titans. And I would just kind of like to retract a statement I had made earlier. Uh, when I first started watching Titans, in a fit of passion, I think, I declared that I think that maybe the DC TV shows were a little bit better than the Marvel ones. And now that I'm in season three of Titans, which is not that great. And, you know, going back and watching Doom Patrol again, which is great. Not as great as I think I maybe romanticized it being. So I retract my statement. They are Doom Patrol is still excellent. It's still really, really good. Titans season three, it's basically become like it's the same reasons I stopped watching like Arrow and the Flash. You know, it's like a, seems just like a soap opera every week and not you know superhero stuff and everything. So anyway. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I retract my statement. Uh, is certainly those shows, while very good, uh, do not stand up to the quality of uh, Wandavision and especially Loki and uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So sounds good. All right, well let's get to Lucifer, episode one, season one, titled "Pilot," written by Tom Capinos, directed by Len Wiseman, who also directed the Underworld series, directed "Live Free or Die Hard." the 2012 remake of total recall as well it aired january 25th 2016 now you know i still have not seen the i think it's colin farrell right yeah absolutely i still haven't seen that uh the the remake of total recall it's just they don't offer it for free anywhere and i don't feel like paying money for a movie that's a recall like a remake of a movie that I already really liked. So. Yeah. Now, I haven't seen it either, and, and and not necessarily for that reason, because I just hadn't searched it out yet. But, uh, yeah, sometime I'll see it. Like like you said, it, did it really need to be remade that no. soon it was, thereafter? It was an awesome movie. Right. Like, it, I don't, like, like they're going to remake The Lost Boys. Like, why? Yeah. They, they exactly. nailed it the first time. Right. And you know, there's like, absolutely no need to remake The Lost Boys. Right. And it's not like the production values are going to be significantly different this time around. I mean, I mean, yes, they can do certain things more cheaply, but still, whatever. Um, no mullet, no movie. Yeah. That's what I say. All right. Now, this uh, urban fantasy series, which was developed by Tom Capinos, who also wrote this episode, he, I know him from the Showtime series Californication with David Duchovny, who played this uh, – famous novelist who was uh, off the rails at this point but lucifer seasons one through three were on fox and then fox for whatever reason didn't renew it netflix picked it up for season four it exploded and then of course there was a season five and then a season six which they knew was going to be the last going in 93 total episodes and i think i've mentioned before i wrote episodic reviews for den of geek starting with season three so you know am i an expert on lucifer i don't know about an expert i know the show really well just as you are you were you an expert on deadpool maybe but you certainly know the film really well so uh you know i'm going to try to not spoil things but i i feel it incumbent on me to point some things out because it can be a polarizing show for some people because it's about the devil and Uh, you know without getting into too much heavy theology i mean one of the things that that the show explores and 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 the character lucifer you know kind of points out in this episode is that he feels he was done badly by dear old dad 
And uh-huh. yes, he led a rebellion against his father. But, you know, it's one of those things that I think you can look at Lucifer as a metaphor of certain things. And, and what son hasn't rebelled against his father at some point? So Boring you know, sons. R- right. Looking at it from, from that perspective. Yeah. Um, well, and also, if, if you're upset because they present Lucifer as some kind of anti-hero, it's like, I hate to break it to you, but that's a tradition going all the way back to John Milton in the 18th century. So definitely, they're not really breaking new ground with that. Well, well right. And then again, you know, I, I've, I've had discussions with some people and read things online, you know, that, well, you're deviating from the word of God, i.e. the Bible. And, and then you get into, well, who really wrote the Bible? And, and again, we're not going to go down that path at, at this point. Just yeah. judge it as a TV show. I've mentioned before uh, Neil Gaiman's involvement, and, and it's based on a character that he created along with Sam Keith and Mike uh, Dringenberg featured in the comic, The Sandman, which apparently is also going to get some sort of a, a series, but I'm, I'm not sure about it at this point. But uh, um, what, what were your first reactions you know, now that you've seen it once or maybe twice? Well, honestly, my very first reaction is almost similar to what Fred said. Like, I, I thought a lot of cliche, a lot of stuff, like, I mean, especially... Like Fred mentions castle, and I, I put that in my notes. Like this is definitely there's a heavy castle element here. A lot of it very much like supernatural. So there's a lot of stuff that I just didn't see as fresh. Then they introduced Chloe, and now I'm like, I you know there was definitely a there was a definite electricity in the relationship between them, much like, you know, again, Fred talks about much like in Castle, right? Uh, the relationship between Castle and I can't remember the name of the detective, but, you know, the same thing. Like that show really kind of ended up, you know, hanging its hat on the relationship between those two characters. And so um, so I can see it. So, so at first I was necess- not necessarily really, I was just like, I, I mean, it's good, clever dialogue you know uh pace is great so you know just clicks along Uh, a lot of funny stuff happens in there and everything especially with the the psychologist and everything but i wasn't really you know i I was wondering how how on earth did this get six seasons and then you know like i said once you we start getting into that relationship between those two and see those two on screen together then i'm like okay these two just they're on fire together they really really work. I can see how you could build a show on that. Well, the irony is, and I agree with you a hundred percent, it's, that's only a small part of the show as it moves forward. And it doesn't really even take all the, that long. I mean, look, it is a procedural show. You know, there is a crime of the week, but generally it ties in thematically to one of the recurring arcs, which generally revolve around identity, search for self, uh, you know, one that they throw out in this episode, which is huge, is the fate versus free will idea, uh, power and corruption, so that there are a lot of ideas that are explored throughout the six seasons and, and you know, e- even in the first season, but it really is character-driven, and, you, you know, e- even with Mazikeen, who we certainly know from the librarians, right? Um, Leslie Ann Brandt, who was, right. uh, God, I can't think of what, uh, Lamia in, in the librarians, where she was kind of a, a bad guy in that show. In here, uh, you know, I think in, in the episode we watched that we're talking about, it, it's a little unclear who she is, what she is, what her relationship to Lucifer is. Clearly, she is what come to be known as celestials. Uh, I'll throw it out there. She's a demon. So okay. she has a relationship with Lucifer in hell because she even mentions, when are we going back to hell? I, I want to go back. I- I'm tired of L.A., mm-hmm. which, uh, again, is-, is kind of ironic, but she's into punishment. <laughs> but, you know, 
I, I think one of the f- things that hangs over our head right from the start is, uh, all right, we establish that he really is who he says he is, and and we see him, you know, reveal his devil face, and and certainly when his brother Amenadiel shows up, there's no question there. I mean, yeah, fine, you're, you're President Wayne Palmer. Yeah, we get that. You're a bad dude. Um, yeah. Well, Wade Palmer was a good guy. I he like was Wade Palmer. Guy. He's one of my favorite characters. He yeah. was a good guy. So, I like T.B. Woodside. He's a, he's a hell of an actor. Oh, he's and he's just tremendous in this show, and he's a huge part of the narrative in, in this show. So you will see a ton of him. And, and he refers to Lucifer as his brother, and yes, he is his brother. Brother Angel, I mean, in the same sense that... that you know, I have a brother and you have two sisters. Well, that, again, they're celestials that, that they refer to their father in the same way. They were apparently raised together. So, you know, there is that. But there's, there's no getting around the fact that Lucifer is who he says he is. Now the question becomes, who will he reveal himself to? Because he spends the whole time, look, I told you I'm invulnerable i I, i'm the devil yeah right sure you are bud right well yeah that's that was so one thing i really liked about the show is how open he is with telling people who he is like i'm i'm lucifer i'm the devil i'm immortal you know like he he doesn't try to it's not like some secret he's trying to hide some hidden identity he's openly admitting who he is right but you're right obviously it's often a stretch for people to believe him Right. And to this point, he's only shown himself to bad people. So Chloe, you know, has only been told who he is. And and she certainly has seen things that she can't explain. And that's certainly a a recurring theme throughout the next few episodes. Dude, my wife fell asleep early. So I'm like, all right, I really don't need to rewatch episode one again because I've seen it so many times. I know it well. Uh, let me take a look at episode two. I- I'll be able to. Four episodes mm. later, I'd gotten up to episode nice. six. <laughs> so it's, uh, <laughs> you know. But the other question that, that, that we have to embrace here, is Lucifer who we've been taught he is? And I think part of what the show is trying to do is especially if you look at it metaphorically that that no he's not completely and and, i mean it's certainly one of the humorous angles you you mentioned the therapist dr linda martin so by the end of the episode he's basically trading tremendous sex for free therapy sessions so of course she doesn't know that she's got the devil sitting on her couch but there it is and part of what his problem is is that he's changing and he's not sure how to feel about it and in one respect you know it doesn't get much more human than that yeah absolutely well and like i said i mean this it's it's not any kind of new idea to you know, I mean, even like I said, when John Milton penned Paradise Lost, when we initially meet Satan, as Donald Sutherland points out in Animal House, that uh, you know Satan is quote unquote the hero, right? He is a um, rebelling against the tyranny stoicism of 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 heaven. So it's it's no new thing to 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 try and present him as because in a way he is like the ultimate rebel, right? The guy who stood up to the the divine itself, right? Um, so while you know on one hand has throughout history has been you know cast as you know a a demon as a tempter as the essence of all that is evil uh on the other hand there's some people for centuries now who have then turned it around to say all right well he's actually a uh you know like he's kind of an anti-hero he's a rebel he's he's uh courageously um resisting right and, and his punishment was to be sent down to hell as hell's gatekeeper and of course that's one of the questions that we also are presented with well if he's on earth in Los Angeles, who's watching hell? And that's why Amenadiel's there. It's like, okay, brother, you, you know, you've had your fun time to 
return to hell. And, and, and we certainly know that he's been sent by their father to send that message. But, of course, Lucifer's not ready to go. And, you know, you mentioned the, the dynamic between Lucifer and Chloe. Certainly there's that sexual element to it and mostly on his end at this point because as you mentioned initially in castle and i think fred even mentions this in his feedback you know she was really repulsed by him but but again she kind of played along with castle as does chloe here but she's an outcast within the lapd in the same sense that he's an outcast among the celestials and and, and we learn that uh, apparently she did not rubber stamp a fellow police officer's account of, you know, I guess a police involved shooting earlier and now nobody will work with her. So, you know, I think at this point, that's as important as any aspect of their relationship that, that, you know, they, they both are asked, uh, uh, you know, you know, they have that aspect of their lives in common. And, you know, um, you, you mentioned, the anti-hero angle i mean can lucifer be the hero you know push aside the anti-hero because again you know the other thing and and it's not just because nathan fillion's in both shows but his, his character and the characters in the show often remind me of firefly where you've got people that are ostensibly criminals right they're they're smugglers mm-hmm. they're breaking the law but time and again when they're presented with a moral dilemma they do the right thing albeit grudgingly at times but that's just who they are they 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 do heroic things and i think you'd have to say they do heroic things because it's not really what they want to do but they do it because it's the right thing to do so yeah and we and we see that that there's actually obviously a problem here that what is quote unquote the right thing as we see it helping out people is on the you know the celestial level, not the right thing because he's supposed to be guarding hell and keeping the demons from escaping. Right, and, and I love Maze's reaction about all of this. It's like, what is it with you and your little humans? And and she's just such a great character. I mean, as you get into the show and you and you you know experience the different characters, I, I'm not sure who my favorite character really is to be to be quite honest but you know you mentioned and fred mentions as well there are a hell of a lot of references see what i did there so that you know it's like chloe how many times did she say what the hell are you thinking and and right right and i I, you know that i don't want to say it never goes away but it's almost always there and i find it I don't know. I find it charming. I'll use that word. It doesn't do anything except, you know, increase the experience for me. I don't mind it. I mean, the opening scene where No Rest for the Wicked is playing and he's driving down L.A. in his 62 black Corvette, which is a vehicle we're going to see throughout the series and gets pulled over by that cop and establishes that one of his powers is that people like to tell me things and and that whole idea tell me what is it you desire and he you know again we establish the fact that well that can be rather handy in an interrogation of suspects or witnesses or whatever and you know we see that when you know he's cooperative with the you know are you bribing me yeah is this not enough (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, that was that was that was classic, right? Right. Like, again, then, like not even totally um, unrepentant, right? Yeah. Did you notice his license plate? Uh, fallen one, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was Very cool. Nice. But you know, we learn early on he owns this upscale nightclub called Lux, and 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 as Mays, I almost called her Lamia, as Mays tells him, I didn't leave hell to be a bartender, and she challenges him to do something significant, and. Even though he claims he's retired, he, he of course, means being retired from hell. But I guess for him, the lore and the appeal of punishing the guilty is something that won't go away. And and then we get into – see, now here I'm – I hope it's – 
this episode, but I don't think it's any big reveal. But but for him, it, it it's not only you know punishing the guilty; it's getting justice for the victims, and that as the series goes on, that becomes maybe even more important to him than punishment, which mm-hmm. you know he, he he will enjoy for for quite a while. But uh, well, yeah, like the the guy when he thinks with uh, Jimmy, right? When yeah, he thinks yep. he he's dead he's been killed he's pissed because he you know he's didn't get to properly punish him so um you know he also floats that idea that he's not inherently evil as as dear old dad has decided and when his question to uh uh dude what about amenadiel's power yeah with the like with the wings no no he he slow he slows time Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, right, and and that's like, uh, and Lucifer, it's like, oh crap! I think he, he, yeah. he, there's a bowl of fruit, and it's like, dude, you know he's going to take the apple, right? Yeah, right, uh, right. And he tosses it up in the air, and it just, and he's like, oh crap! And he realizes that Amenadiel is has come to see him again. The other thing that gets established is that Lucifer does people favors, and. While this isn't necessarily Robert Johnson down at the crossroads, it's not unlike that. So, you know, the, the the crime here is that female celebrity Delilah, who's concerned that the favor he did for her, did she sell her soul to the devil? Now, she doesn't, of course, mean literally the devil. Well, but, is yeah, she, I, does she die? Nah, I don't know. I, I, yeah. Well, I don't. <laughs> I don't think there's any evidence one way or the other because she gets killed. So we we really can't explore that further. But I mean, what we've seen of Lucifer, I I, kind of doubt that because um, what's his response? What does he want from her? He, he he says he, he wants her to simply, you know, live your life and do the right thing. The choices are on you, my dear. Right. And, And we get that establishment of, fate versus free will that, that that you have a choice in your life and throughout this episode you know as we hear about his favors he doesn't want anything nefarious in return from these people right. he says just pull yourself together that's all i'm asking what happens now that's up to you and i think more than almost anything that establishes who this guy is Right, and there's you know there's also no talk about like improving herself in a you know in a spiritual manner. Like, he didn't say, well, you need to start going to church. You know, you need to say your prayers every night or anything. Um, it's it's about being the best you can be here on Earth. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Which right. is you know you would say you would think might be unusual for someone who is aware. That there is a celestial plane, as we said, and that there is um, divine reward and punishment. Yeah, exactly. You know, of course, the whole idea you already mentioned, I think we both did actually, his immortality as he presents it. But the other thing that, that comes up related to Chloe, again, in addition to the fact that these are both outcasts from their people that there is that that sexual tension already established albeit on his end and and you know we don't know really what she's really thinking at this point but what happens is that she doesn't succumb to his charms right that that we see how women apparently always react to him that when they get in close proximity, they want to sleep with him. And whether right, well, it, even dudes want to right, right. spill their soul to him, you right. know, and, and he tries it with her and you just know it's not going to work, you know, she's just like, right. Um, yeah. So yeah, there is definitely obviously something about, about Chloe, right? Right. And, and that becomes really intriguing to him. Why is she immune to his power so you know you know there's a lot that's thrown out there at us in, in these 42 minutes where do we know jimmy from i mean he's a, he's been in so many shows i i didn't write the actor's name down but he he plays this kind of 
character. Yeah, I mean, he he seems like, I mean, he's a guy that, like, you're right. You see him and you're like, okay, I've definitely seen that dude before. Um, But you just can't, you know, if I'm, I'm, I pull up his IMDb page now. Um, Oh, he was in Mad About You. Oh, he's Ira. He was, he was Paul Reiser's brother in Mad About You. There you go. All right. There you go. That's it. Okay. uh, um, I'm like, oh, because that was, yeah, that was a show I watched uh, pretty religious. Oh, that's right. Like 1993, 2019. What the? uh, Yeah. I think it did. Paul Reiser redid it, right? For like a year or something like that. Uh, and realized sure. that he wasn't funny anymore. <laughs> right. So, um, but a lot of this episode is Lucifer trying to solve the murder of this young woman that when I say he had a relationship with her, did he sleep with her? I mean, that's probably likely, but he, I mean, he, he helped her and wants to continue to help her. And he, and he really ha- takes it personally that, that somebody murdered her. And while he can't at this point work within the context of the LAPD, he just goes out on his own and, you know, he's a smart guy. He's got a certain talent to get people to tell him. And, and of course, Chloe ends up just, you know, one step behind him each time. But when he goes to that rapper's place, t- tells him, oh, you know, your, your music's terrible. I hate rap music. And uh, and then that line, without the blues, there'd be no devil's music, which, again, was perfect. But, but again, right. don't waste your bullets on me. I'm immortal. The dangling two vial over the balcony, you know, leads yeah, him and, to his next like, clue. His, his boys shoot at him. It's like, dude, he's dangling your buddy over the railing. <laughs> like, if you shoot this guy, your buddy's going to drop. Like, come on. Right, right, right. And... You know, so so they don't do it. But then Chloe storms in, orders everybody to put their guns down. You know, how did you make this connection? And suddenly somebody recognizes her. And we've got another aspect of Chloe's backstory. Aren't you that chick from that film? Hot yeah. Tub High School? <laughs> <laughs> and then I love her line. I got far too many bullets in this thing for you to still be talking. And that, that's just that. I mean, what a, what a hilarious angle to add to a character because here as she mentions she's a woman trying to make it in a you know, very male dominated profession um who's also kind of on the outs right now with her with her co-workers and on top of that you know like so you know respectability obviously is something she battles every day and uh you know she's also got this thing where People have seen her boobs from a movie she did back in the day. Right. And in fact, Lucifer's like, that's where I know you from. <laughs> so, and of course, like she does what any self-respecting detective would do, puts the cuffs on him and takes him out. Of course, right. he immediately gets out of them. And, and and then that great line, which I know you had to love. I can't read people's minds. I'm not a Jedi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> People just like to tell me things. So right, and he calls her a Jedi because she is, you know, like because of her ability to resist his, you know, his power or whatever. So right, um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely liking the the Star Wars nods that we got in this in this show, uh, right. episode. Right, and you know they're driving away, and and you know we're acknowledging, as you just pointed out, that the sexism and the force that she has to fight. You know, and even if there wasn't that Palmetto Street incident in which she didn't support the cover story, uh, and even if it wasn't for her involvement, she'd still be fighting sexism because while certainly it's better now than it was 10, 20 years ago, it's, you know, it certainly still goes on. But of course, he can't let uh, high school hot tub go. And she's like, you've seen my boobies. What are you, seven? Yeah. <laughs> now we also get introduced to her daughter. Uh, and the actress's name is Scarlett Estevez, and best I can tell, she's no relation to the uh, the acting Estevez family. But she is just her her. If there is 
an underused character in the show it, it's her and and look I, I i get you get a show that's an ensemble cast and you, you you can't get everybody into every episode so i get that but for me going back it's like oh my god trixie you look like a a little baby and uh, <laughs> and, and of course their first meeting you're right she tells lucifer stay in the car and you you, you knew he was going to get out of the car you didn't need sure. to even, you know think twice about that and he, he sits down i despise children <laughs> but he goes into school anyway and uh yeah tells her trixie's a hooker's name well what's a hooker ask your mother <laughs> <laughs> which then gets you know a nice little transition when uh her ex-husband i guess they're not actually divorced yet at this point uh dan who's also a detective shows up uh mommy what's a hooker daddy will tell you yeah so you know like you yeah. said there's, <laughs> right there, there's some great lines in this again to, to yeah i think you know I, she looked familiar and i'm just kind of checking her out imdb she's been in a lot of these uh disney shows that my daughter likes to watch so. oh okay like okay bunked in raven's home so that's 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 where i oh, okay. have caught her before okay so they have tracked down Dr. Linda Martin, the therapist that that we mentioned earlier, and you know because one of their suspects apparently was seeing her under a uh, under a fake name, but Lucifer asks whether Trixie was planned because children are hideous little creatures, and and, and again her re- <laughs> response: Are you aware of how dickish you sound? Yeah, <laughs> but. He, he, I don't think he really is like yeah like he just because he, he says what he thinks and he, he is not super concerned about how dickish he sounds right right but but then he immediately goes to the the mindset of wondering well why is Dan so eager to close this case when it's clear they don't have the real killer yet so you know that 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 desire to do the right thing and get the right person rather than just do it the easy way which doesn't give us a a really good feeling for dan at this point that that he's willing to you know convict or arrest at this point the the wrong person just so they can close the case and then all of a sudden well i mean we yeah go ahead we're we're automatically gonna be kind of like not feeling great about this guy because he's you know we 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 feel the the sparks between chloe and lucifer and you know he's her ex so he's potentially that that obstacle in their relationship so you know right away they're going to establish him as being antagonistic detective douche yeah (laughs) so which is something that that carries on for for quite a while but nice all of a sudden out of the blue lucifer looks at her it's like did my father send you now we know the significance of that statement she has no clue what he's talking about but as she's putting pieces together he's you know not only trying to solve the crime he's now trying to solve the enigma that is chloe decker why you don't look at me with carnal fascination. She's like, I find you repulsive, but clearly there's, there, you know, there, there's something about her. The other thing that gets established is when he tells her that my word is my bond. Well, I, I'm sorry. Actually, he, he, he says that to he the, tells uh, that the therapist. psychologist, right? Right. Yeah. The, you know, because she's ready to have sex right then. He says, I, I'll be back. My word is my bond. And that is one of the things that we, we, see out of lucifer consistently is as he says i can't lie so whether he can't or he won't i mean it it i don't want to say it doesn't make a difference because it does make a difference i mean you know right. if, if if you act because you you just have no other choice that's different from making a conscious decision so yeah it kind of ties in with what you said about like you know free will and, and the exactly ability. To exercise that, you know, I mean, the, I, I can you can definitely see why. I mean, obviously, you're you're more 
uh, fundamentalist Christians are not going to be fans of the show. Um, and especially if, if you, you know, believe in any kind of predestination, um, certainly the, this show is going to fly in the face of that. Which, again, I, I just find, I mean, it is ironic on a, on a number of levels, but it, it, if you're taking that tact, it, it's that if someone is evil, they can never change, that there is no redemption possible right and as human beings that's a frightening prospect to take now that person might say well he's not a human being okay again i don't don't want to go down that rabbit hole because uh um it's easy to get sucked into that you know once we learn and lucifer learns that nobody will work with her i mean we know where this is headed just as castle now Castle, again, I can't remember now if this happens in episode two or even episode three, but, but you know, Castle ends up getting to be, God, I can't remember her name either. And how many, that show had like about <laughs> 600 episodes. But, you know, he knows the mayor. So the mayor, you know, says, right. you're going to let him work with, well, this, a similar thing happens with Lucifer. So, uh, you know. Kate, Kate Beckett. Kate Beckett, there we go. Um, So, you know, at this point, once we learn that nobody will work with her and she doesn't have a partner and and that we we can see where this is headed, even though she's not going to want to agree to it, she's starting to learn that, you know, he maybe can be a valuable resource. Of course, from her perspective, he's going to have to tone things down a hell of a lot. See what I did there again? Yeah, that's all right. He can't resist, and, and we get this great scene. You know, they confront Jimmy, and and it, it you know, looks like he's decided to, uh, you know, kill her because if the artist is dead, then you know, whatever work of art that they create will the, skyrocket. Yeah, the compilation, uh, you know, disc. I, 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 I hesitate to say disc, but you know, right. They're, so, they're releasing a greatest hits, basically. So Right. So, you know, so they confront him. Jimmy takes a hostage. You know, Lucer just walks right at him. I told you, it's fine. I'm immortal. But then Chloe shoots Jimmy, which angers Lucifer, because like as you mentioned earlier, now Jimmy won't pay. But Jimmy's not quite dead, and he shoots Chloe, who falls to the yeah. ground and and she's dying. And then he shoots Lucifer in the ass a bunch of times. Yeah, <laughs> but it, all it does is ruin his thousand uh, dollar suit or whatever. Yeah, but but she's apparently dying, and and sh- this is the point he shows Jimmy his devil face, and and again, as I said at the beginning of the discussion, we learn in this episode he is who he says he is, and end of story. Now the question is, <laughs> will he reveal himself to? other humans you know i i guess we figure at this point they're not going to kill off the uh the female lead in the first episode so she's in the hospital yeah. but then the well, question, that's what i thought i'm like are they gonna they go that like yeah you know, i'm like ah that's not gonna you know but there was a second there where i'm like yeah but you know but, they might actually well, kill her off like why would they do that but of course they didn't right well well she says why aren't you dead well, you're having a really hard time with the immortal thing, aren't you? And then, of course, you know, who the hell are you? But I think what really strikes me in this scene, and, and we don't really get an answer, certainly in this episode, does he have anything to do with saving her life? I mean, we don't really know what his powers are beyond his mojo. And I, I think that's something that that just lingers there. And, uh, you know, Trixie enters the room, immediately hugs Lucifer. So, you know, while mom claims to be repulsed, uh, obviously Trixie has fallen in love with Lucifer immediately. Right. And of as course, other females have. Right? Well, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. And then we get that closing scene where he drives up to Lux and time slows down again, indicating Amenadiel's presence. I don't like what I see. You're showing restraint, mercy. And I'm thinking like, wait a minute. When did that become a bad thing? Right, right. Well, when you're the devil, right? That's, right. that's not in your job description. 
Right, and then, okay, I'll go out on a limb. We got another Star Wars reference. Scared I'm turning my back on the dark side, bro. <laughs> but to Amenadiel's point about a balance that has to be maintained, and then my hatred for you goes stronger with every visit, he tells Lucifer, which... Yeah, that's harsh. Yeah, it is harsh. And, and, and again, it, it, we're not done because... Maze doesn't understand why Lucifer would save a human life, which then goes back to what I was saying a minute ago. What role did he play in saving her? Was it merely just confronting the gunman? Is is that what she means? Or does she know something that we don't? I, I mean, I definitely got the impression that he pulled some kind of supernatural mojo to save her life. Okay. And, and I, I, certainly lean in that direction so well you um, know I'm well sure you know yeah, i mean there's some things <laughs> that are i mean anyway uh but but her reaction is i'm worried the humans are rubbing off when you stop caring you're the devil right and i think already at this point we realize yeah but he's kind of not at this point i mean he's not the What's devil right? you know or you knew so right. we, we, he's not this this tempter trying to trick people into giving up their immortal soul. Right. He's actually the opposite. He he does offer people choices, but you know, it seems like he he's hopes for them to make the choice towards you know, I don't I don't want to say necessarily morality, but you know the the right choice, right? The, the 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 human choice that is the right choice to make. So, right. And again, I, I can't get Malcolm Reynolds out of my head. You know that at this point, it's almost like he doesn't realize what he's doing. It it, it just is the natural thing to do at this point. And as Mazakine says, you know that the humans are rubbing off on you, and and you know whatever it is. It's causing him consternation. And then we get that final great scene where he goes to Dr. Martin. We realize, okay, she's going to have to listen to his existential concerns now at this point. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the the devil's in therapy, I guess. So, again, could could say take it from the Sopranos. But, you know, still, um, it it is a, a, a clever, like, decision for them to make here that the that the devil is going through some kind of existential crisis here, right? He He's acting in opposition to, you know, his, his nature. Right. And, um, or the nature you know, we've been led to believe is his nature. Right. Or, you know, but apparently from like the other characters saying what he's supposed to be doing, it seems like what he's supposed to be doing is what we traditionally believe he's supposed to to be doing not necessarily tricking people but certainly being the kind of high like like a i want to say like a like a torturer right or or an executioner right right well you we know, get that all carries idea. out the punishment that has been handed down on people right and and Mazikeen has has mentioned several times torture and punishment and and certainly she still enjoys that aspect of the job but but as you said i mean his existential crisis now is that i don't know that i want that life anymore and yes i want the guilty to be punished but i also now want justice for the victims and you know i mean i think that's a great way to to leave this first episode um anything else you want to bring up about it you know, just like, you know, some 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 great lines, you know, like, uh, you know, she says, you've got some balls on you. It's like, oh, thank you very much. But they're really quite average. <laughs> yeah. you know, like, that was that was that was a great line. So, I mean, just, um, you know, a, a very clever show, um, really witty. Like I said, you know, in the pilot, I, I, I can't really condemn them for the, the aspects that are fairly cliche. And maybe they do they follow the procedural kind of format a bit much, maybe. But like I said, what 
really, you know, we talked about this before. What you really want to have established at the end of a pilot is you really want to have like a base of, especially those characters, your, your main cast of characters and their relationship to one another and to have the audience caring about those characters as well. And I think that they totally accomplished that, right? But at the end of this, um, we're, we're really into the characters. We, we, we like Chloe and Lucifer together. We can definitely see a hookup coming down the line. Um, no surprise there if, if it, if it does happen. Um, but just, you know, we're, we're encouraged to watch the next episode, right? Cool. Well, you want to give it a grade? I mean, I think you know what my grade is, but. I'm, I'm going to give it an A minus just because, like I said, I found that there was too many early on. It, it's, I, I was just like, ah, this is, this is just like Supernatural. This is just like, you know, Castle. And while it did come around and while it did get me in the end, uh, I, I can't give it the full A just yet. I still have to keep my integrity for my grading system, Dave. Okay. Well, what I will say, and I totally understand that, and that's what I expected. You know, in, in terms of the the crime of the week, you know, certainly one of the things I noticed in, in my episodic reviews of the show, I, I spent very little time on the actual crime of the week. And it, it's not that it's not important, it, but it, but it's really just a vehicle for the other characters to deal with their existential crises that are going on throughout the show. And I'll just kind of give you an example of what I mean. There's one, I don't even remember what season it's in, but there's this uh, putt-putt golf emporium where the owner has been killed and, uh, you know, the son is the the suspect. And, and meanwhile, as they're going on, Lucifer's, you know, going on and on about how his father wants him to take over the family business and he doesn't want to do it and and this and that. And it's like that parallel between the crime and what's going on in one of the characters' Mm -hmm. lives, which they really do a a really wonderful job of tying them together. And it it never feels forced. So uh, anyway. Well, that's what I said. You know, I mean, like the important thing is like, yeah, like the. I think the toughest thing to do is to is to write you know good believable dialogue, um, especially in a kind of you know a genre, um, ep, uh, you know show. And I think they do a really good job of that here. You know. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the feedback. If you want to, sound good? Sure. All right. Um, Maureen checked in with us via email in uh, reference to the Deadpool discussion and the. Uh, uh, the piece of dialogue where Deadpool, I forget even which character he's saying it to, but the whole, what's my well, Francis, name? Francis oh, says Fran- it to, to, to Deadpool throughout the movie, pretty much. Okay. And she says, well, this is a big phrase regarding racial justice and equity. Not 100% sure of its origin, but if you can catch Ken Burns' Muhammad Ali documentary, that may be the safest reference if you want to make a point. Can't remember which boxer kept calling him Cassius, but every punch Ali asked this question. And you, of course, know now I actually saw that fight um, live because I'm old. But uh, you know about it, right? Fuck you're old. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it was uh, Ernie Terrell. uh, What, 67 was it, I think? Yeah. 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 And Terrell you know, later claims he, he said it inadvertently or accidentally called him Cassius Clay. I sincerely doubt it was in any kind of accident, obviously meant to, to goad him. Um, and there was a, you know, a kerfuffle. This wasn't even during the fight. This is, um, you know, before the fight, uh, they, they got into it. And then during the fight, as Ali is pounding the crap out of Ernie Terrell, He's uh, he's yelling at him. What's my name? I apparently stopped after like the eighth round because, <coughs> which apparently a controversial fight, and some people think that uh, Ali uh, purposefully dragged the fight out in order to you know punish Terrell more and to to just to beat on him when Terrell was was done uh, long ago. 
Um, Ali, in response, I said that's that's ludicrous. I was, you know, it, he's a good fighter. It was a tough fight. I was tired, and I I couldn't put him away. And you know, I have to go with Ali on that one. I have to. I have no reason. Yeah, you know, there's no reason to not believe what what he said there. So yeah, so so that is the uh, the you know what's my name, but I, I am am extremely dubious that that is the reference that the guys who who uh, produced and wrote uh, Deadpool were going with when um, you know when they when they had Francis repeatedly asking uh, Deadpool what's his name, right? And and um, you know again just a, a little bit more background. This was at a time when Cassius Clay decided to embrace islam as his uh, faith and changed his name to muhammad ali and and there were a lot of the white sports writers a lot of the white boxing fans that that wanted no part of that and it it was really a, a battle that that ali had to fight just getting people to acknowledge him and and you know Again, you know, when you talk about a, a literary reference or a cultural reference or a biblical reference, I mean, I, you have to look at your audience. And if they don't understand the reference, then what's the point? So as you said, I think in the right. context of Deadpool, if it's a reference at all, it's to the one that we see in Breaking Bad. And, and you could then argue, well, the Breaking Bad is probably a reference to Ali and and I would certainly think you're correct there. Regardless, it's about demanding respect, and that's all Ali wanted. And again, I'm glad Maureen mentioned the Ali documentary, which I haven't seen yet, but I've been DVRing it. I think it was the second episode last night. Maybe I set my DVR to record the whole thing, so I'm I'm really excited to. I was a huge Ali fan. I I absolutely yeah. loved him. Who was it? I was just a kid. He was he yeah. he he was the yeah. best. He's yeah. he's like my one of my favorite athletes of all time. So. Yep. So uh, anyway, thank you, Maureen, and let's go ahead and hear what Fred's got for us, and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Lucifer season one, episode one. Actually, I never saw any episode of this series, although it's on Netflix here in the Netherlands and it also has five or even now the sixth season. I saw ads about it, but never watched it. My wife, who you could hear two podcasts ago, did watch it for a few episodes, but she got disinterested because she said it's all more or less the same. Well, if it's all more or less the same, then I really wonder how it could get five, six seasons. But nevertheless, she obviously didn't like it enough to go on. Shortly coming back to two podcasts ago, Dave, you said that you did try the crime story Jet with Carla Gugino and also with the child actor Violet McGraw. And that you stopped after one episode. Well, Michael and I were quite enthusiastic about that series. It's a pity that you stopped. Also, uh, Giancarlo Esposito is in it. And your main comment was that there was a child in a kind of violent series. Well, this Violet McGraw, she is really tough. She also played in The Hunting of Hill House and... You did a podcast about that, and although you made remarks on that, you had not so many problems about it. I would really advise to watch on. I think the child violence exposition combination is not high in this series, and it's really a Carla Gugino badass series. These days I'm also rating for IMDb, and I even gave it a 9. Okay, about Lucifer. First impression is quite castle-like. Like in Castle we also have a female detective and of course in that case a writer that tries to hook up with that detective and tries to prove that he can be useful in her investigations. And that same model is I think true here. Difference is it's not a writer but it's the devil. Also, the witty lines are here, same as in Castle, just more excessive here. 
Is that just because of the pilot and will that get less if it stays this way in this high pace and this enormous amount of witty lines? I can imagine what my wife said that after five or six episodes you really get enough of that. But of course I cannot judge that on just one episode. Another thing that let me think of Castle is the repulsion by the detective of working with this guy. Actually, they both don't want to work with Castle or with Lucifer here. And slowly they will get uh, together and work together, but this tension will still be there. And I really see that coming. And in that sense, that's witty, that's that's nice, that's exciting. But on the other hand, if that's always the model, it also gets annoying. But on the other hand, it's also so intriguing that I will watch the second episode and uh, have a look at that and whether my prediction is coming true. And perhaps I even need three or four episodes just like my wife. Two last things. One is a terrible nitpick and that's when the detective got shot and she's in the hospital and he is sitting there and her child comes in. She looks very fine, fully in makeup, etc. So that's quite unlikely. And the other thing is actually this black angel. It's a bit disturbing in this whole story, but okay, he is... It reminds me of Q in Star Trek The Next Generation, where Q is actually omnipotent and can tease Captain Picard and the whole crew of the Enterprise. But on the other hand, he is also restricted by the Q continuum and is getting restrictions and uh, judgment and his powers are getting withdrawn, etc. Okay, that was all for now. Greetings. All the best. Fred from the Netherlands. All right, Fred, I may get back to Jet because my lack of enthusiasm is more than just the child endangerment. I guess I didn't like the the whole trope that she's immediately captured by the Russian mob. And now, you know, but I, I think, you know, because each week, well, it seems like each week, uh, frequently you mention Money Heist. And when I am got the remote and I look at it, I'm like, Oh, that looks like good. You know, Wayne loves it. Maybe I should check it out. I'm like, eh, I don't know. I, I think I'm just not into the heist film or show. I mean, I was never really into Dude, you'll love it. I know. Trust me. I, 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 don't, I don't steer you wrong, I was going to say, you, you've yet to steer me wrong. So there is that. Yeah. But uh, anyway, um, so I may get back to that at, at some point. Definitely, as you said, uh, the the comparison to Castle is, is unmistakable. And I guess if you're going to rip off a show, of course, I I can't remember what years Castle was airing. I guess Castle was certainly before Lucifer, because Lucifer was like yeah, 2016, for sure. So. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, if you're going to rip somebody off, you you, you could do there's, worse. There's worse. Yep, exactly. Right. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Amenadiel. Again, whether he's a brother in the in the sense that we have here on Earth, I'll just leave you at this point that he is his brother Angel, and uh, we'll go from there. But that is definitely not the last we will see of a Mena deal. That's that's for sure. Right. But uh, and, and and just one thing, you know, I, I know that uh, Fred said that um, that that his his wife saying that Lucifer is more or less the same, and how that. Um, you know, wondering how a show could have last so long with that. Um, and not that, because I've only seen the one, so it's not any kind of criticism of Lucifer. But I also think Fred might underestimate uh, the American public's desire for more or less the same, too. So, well, Though well, I, know, I know Lucifer does not actually fall in that category. Yeah, but it, just, it, yeah. yeah it definitely does, uh, does not. And uh, they also have a, a wonderful habit of bringing on amazing actors as recurring characters throughout who, who the could series. you who could you be talking about dave yeah well is there one particular that you're thinking of well uh trisha helfer for yeah, one that's what i thought <laughs> but 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 like i mentioned last week i, I was like oh, wait a minute um brianna hillebrand who was uh you know what was a teenage ninja what was her name and, and deadpool i can't think of uh yeah, um, Negasonic Teenage Warrior. Right, because she's a huge part of season six of yeah. Lucifer. 
Well, and then uh, Tom Welling, I saw, was on it as well, who yeah. um, was – my kids know him as uh, Charlie in Cheaper by the Dozen. Oh, um, okay. But uh, also most people probably know him as Clark Kent in Smallville. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and, and that's just kind of scratching the surface. So, uh, yeah. And anyway. All right. Well, I guess this is a good place to leave it for this week. Sure. We've got foundation on the horizon. Right. Um, looking forward to that. But that'll do it for this episode of Sci Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Lucifer, Deadpool, uh, Foundation as we move down the road. Anything going on in your genre world? Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. Our email is sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. And we'll be back next time to talk about the pilot episode of the Apple TV Plus series Foundation. But until then... You know, it, I, it, sometimes I wonder, like, how my wife and I, we've been married for 24 years now, and, you know, how that could possibly be, especially on our first date, which she just turned to me and said, truth be told, I find you repulsive, like on a chemical level. <laughs>